Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening in. Um, I have a wonderful guest for you today. He's a very, very dear friend of mine. This is Dr. Daniel Witkowski. Say hi to everyone, Dan. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Colin. Hey, no worries. Um, Dr. Dan Witkowski, him and I go way back. Um, we actually met at also at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And for yes. those of you who do not know about him, he's a, a double-boarded uh, certified in obstetrics and gynecology and also in lifestyle medicine. Um, he practices in Melrose, Massachusetts, and he's also a certified nutritionist. And he's actually been practicing lifestyle medicine since 2011. And him and his wife, Pamela, um, they have created Lifestyle Design MD, which is basically a program where they educate individuals, families, and health practitioners alike to optimize their health uh, to reverse chronic disease. And I'm really, really excited to uh, have them on board. So first question is, um, please uh, share with the audience just a little bit about your story. How how did you get into your current position, you know, I know you've gone through, you know, um, OBGYN and, um, you know, now you've created this wonderful program. So how did you get from point A to point B? I know it's really, it's, it's interesting how all these things kind of come together for so many different practitioners, but mine was many things kind of coming together all at the same time. I like to call it like that perfect storm that a lot of people talk about. Mm -hmm. And, as I was really trying to, I was a little frustrated about how things were going in my practice because I was watching people, my patients get a little sicker. You know, they were, they were um, asking me questions about things that I really couldn't help them about, like about their health, not just about their conditions that I was helping them with, but even about their health and asking me questions about even nutritional supplements that I really didn't know anything about. And I started doubting mm. whether or not I really knew how to get people healthy mm. and you know, about their nutrition status and everything. And so I, I, I didn't know what direction I was going. And about two years after my father died, I found his wallet. And I, when my father died, we kind of cleaned out his apartment and we put everything into my, my garage. Mm -hmm. And then I started going through all his stuff. And when I found his wallet, and I opened his wallet, I found this piece of paper that had a list of all the medications he was on. Mm. And my father wasn't a well guy. You know, my father had diabetes and he was a little heavy and really was like the, the epitome of, of metabolic syndrome. Mm -hmm. and, and so when I found this list of medications, it was 17 medications deep. I, and, and that's why he carried it around because if anyone ever asked him, he would never be able to remember all mm. those. It was almost a part-time job just keeping track of everything that he had to take every single day. And 
even though all those things were happening in my practice and I was kind of really getting kind of confused about what I really was doing to help people, that list really hit me right between the eyes. Mm. And um, I started thinking more and more about how, even though I helped my father towards the end of his life, it really was one of those things where I, I, I just didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. And I started even remembering about my mother. My mother died back in 1994 of ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and like most, you know, st- she was diagnosed stage three ovarian cancer. And here I am, you know, her son, the doctor, and no less, I'm trained as an obstetrician gynecologist. So I even thought I knew everything about, you know, uh, the pathophysiology of ovarian cancer, the treatments of ovarian cancer. Yeah. I knew, I, I thought I knew everything. But again, I started thinking, you know, I really didn't know how to that they're really the most important things. My mother's own lifestyle really could have helped her, helped her not only, you know, extend that battle or even win that battle against that disease, mm. or maybe even help her enjoy her life even more. And and then, as I said, my patients were, were really starting to get to me um, where they really had all their problems and I really couldn't, well, I wasn't really helping them get optimally well. And, I, you know, my, my, my wife, Pamela, and I have six children. And even with my family, it was getting to be that way, too. I mean, here I am, a doctor, and we're just going about our usual things in life. And mm-hmm. I just kept doing what I knew I could do and whatever I was taught as a kid, eating the same foods when I grew up or, mm-hmm. or, or doing and really having the same lifestyle that my parents had, which they taught me. And I just continued. And it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. So. Pamela and I went on a journey all over the country, Colin. We went to just about every <laughs> conference we could find, whether it was integrative medicine or functional medicine. And when I came upon lifestyle medicine, that's what really hit me. And I, mm. and it's, and, it, and, and I said, you know, here's something where they're using evidence-based, you know, uh, modalities that, that have been published in the medical literature to really help people make changes in their lives, sometimes very simple changes, but make changes in their lives, whether it's with their nutrition or their physical activity or how they sleep or manage their stress. And it just started making a lot of sense to me is that's, that's how people stay well, not going to the doctor and right. taking medicine or getting procedures. And, it, and that's, that's why I kind of stuck with lifestyle medicine. And those leaders became my mentors. And that's, mm. and I just continued on with everything they taught me. That's how I did it. Yeah. I mean, well, number one, thank you for, you know, sharing uh, that story. I'm sure it's not easy to, um, you know, have parents that, you know, it sounds like you love and care for them a lot and to kind of go and see, you know, see them go through those trials and tribulations. I'm sure it wasn't easy, especially after knowing the fact, you know, you know, sometime later that, Hey, you know, we could have maybe prevented it or maybe could have maybe just, you know, uh, increased their quality of life or just eased their pain and eased their burden right. if we actually had implemented this um, a lot sooner. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, thank you for sharing about that. I mean, I totally agree with you. It's, um, you know, we, I, I think there's a place for medications and surgeries, um, right. you know, when it's necessary. And, um, you know, I, I share the same frustration that, 
We don't want to just keep treating a pill for an ill and vice versa. We want to be able to attack things from the foundation up. So, right. Um, no, I, I use medications and, you know, those types of therapies all the time. I'm, I'm a surgeon. And so I use a lot of surgical procedures too <laughs> to help people. And it is satisfying to a certain extent, except, you know, like some of my mentors ahead of me, um, many surgeons that have trained in lifestyle medicine, have trained me in lifestyle medicine, felt the same way. They just keep seeing their patients getting sicker and sicker, yeah. although you're helping them along the road, the, the continuum keeps spiraling right. down and down. Yeah, 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 agreed. And it's kind of like, you know, we kind of have a, um, you know, we... In the in the medical you know uh, world, we kind of have like a little a little joke amongst like you know every specialty has their own thing, and you know we kind of poke fun. Um, it's like uh -huh. um, you know like a carpenter or a mechanic. It's like you know it's like you give a carpenter a nail, you know they will know what to do with it, or a mechanic with That's a wheel, right. you know. So it's kind of like yeah. I think it's great and very profound that you were able to you know see your patients you know, not get better, even though you were, you know, maybe not necessarily, you know, treating their diabetes or their high blood pressure as a OBGYN, but you, right. but we all know medically that it affects, you know, everything, you know what I'm saying? Everything. So it's, That's it's, right. it's almost kind of, it's very hard to just separate the two. So That's right. So, yeah. So my, my next question uh, to you is that, you know, from an, obstetrician, you know, point of view, you know, how does lifestyle medicine fit into that realm, you know, from, uh, yeah. from your perspective, because, you know, it's, um, you know, we have primary care and most traditional primary care is made up of family practice, internal medicine, right. pediatrics, you know, and, um, you know, obstetrics and gynecology does play a large role, but not really the first gatekeepers in terms of that. So how does, you know, in your perspective, you know, how does it play into it? Yeah, no, a, a, another great question, Colin. Um, the obstetrician gynecologists as a specialty have the fortune, a good fortune of being able to follow patients over time. And there's so many patients that come to see me and I've been able to help them through all of their, their, their childbirths. I've, I've delivered multiple babies for, you know, a single family over and over again throughout my, throughout my career. And also, you know, the women come back for their annual exams. And so like primary care doctors, we do get to see them every single year for their pap smears and, and, and the whole annual exam that they go through. And it's really hard, as you say, as a specialist, um, when I first started trying to implement lifestyle medicine, I quickly realized that the women came to see me for those annual exams or for those mm -hmm. prenatal visits. And how was I ever going to talk to them about lifestyle medicine? How was I going to talk to them about their nutrition or their physical activity? And because they weren't there to see me for that. And, and they would probably think I was, who's this weird doctor bringing up all these things? <laughs> I came to see him for a pap smear. And so I said, I got to take it out of my practice. And that's when I said to Pamela that we got to open something else mm. outside of this OBGYN practice. So we did, and we uh, created a lifestyle medicine office mm. that was separate from my uh, OBGYN office because I wanted people, too, that were motivated to make change. I didn't want to try to sit there and convince people yes. I wasn't, that that wasn't my role. But if I could open a practice and have people self-select and come and see me mm -hmm. as a lifestyle medicine doctor, not as an obstetrician gynecologist, 
I thought I would be ahead of the game. And I went and got myself recredentialed by all the insurance companies and accepted all the same insurance. And I try to run the practice very similar to the usual model that mm-hmm. most of us were using, insurance-based models. And again, um, the insurance companies didn't see it the same way I did. Even though they recredentialed <laughs> me, they weren't paying me. Some of the checks I was getting. What? So insurance low. companies and doctors not seeing eye to eye? Oh, my goodness. What a, what a, what a so, new slash headline. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, I, I just couldn't keep the doors open. It wasn't sustainable right, right. To, to practice that way. I did it. So many different ways too, Colin. Not only seeing patients individually, but I use group medical visits. Yeah. I was running programs in the evenings yeah. uh, to get people to bring their spouses and try to really be involved with this lifestyle transition and transformation that they really wanted to go through. Yeah. But it really, again, wasn't sustainable. So I actually had to close the doors after about two and a half years mm. of keeping, keep trying to keep that going. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so what I've done, though, is I brought it back into the OBGYN practice and really have created or, you know, I, I've, Pamela and I created a way to really implement it in the short time that I might have with patients. And, and that's really the new way that I'm doing it more. Yes, I still do events. I still have had some um, uh, programs that I've run with patients, but uh, primarily it's done day to day, almost from patient to patient. Uh, really looking for those patients that are interested and then and then running with them as mm. much as I can for those few minutes that I have. Mm. So would they be like dedicated lifestyle, um, you know, uh, counseling and, you know, are they dedicated visits or do you try to mesh that uh, within your, um, you know, OBGYN visits? Yeah. Uh, again, it, it's done multiple ways. Mm. I, mean, I really think to set it up right, you know, with the message that goes out to the practitioners that might be listening to this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It really, you know, it really is a three-step process again. You know, you have to be able to walk the walk. Mm-hmm. So you as a practitioner have to figure out your health journey and figure out how you're going to go about and then share that health journey with your patients, whether it is in the functional medicine realm or integrative medicine, or even if it's lifestyle medicine, You just have to, if you have this calling to really help patients like this, just go about it your way, but you will be able to, you'll be more credible. You'll be exuding this, this, this lifestyle to your patients and you'll be more uh, believable and you'll be able to get your message across to them so much easier. So walking the walk is so important. it's so hard to really look at somebody that isn't doing what they're saying and really believe what what and and really take that in and be able to digest that and understand what they're trying to say. Yeah. And then how do you identify the patients that really are open to change that really want to change their lives, like lose weight or, you know, get more energy. And how do you select out those patients? And so what we've done is we've created a little survey sheet that, gets passed out to all my annual visits. Now, mm-hmm. it doesn't go to all my prenatal visits because they come and see me every month or every other week or even every week toward the end. Mm-hmm. So it's not, they, they don't want to keep looking at that survey, but everybody that comes to see me every year mm-hmm. gets, that sur- gets that survey. And that survey asks them about their lifestyle, asks them about you know, what they're eating and asks them how much exercise they're doing and what type of exercise so I can get a flavor for mm. what they're doing. And then more importantly, there is one section there that asks them 
about what they want to talk to me about. Mm. Like what's, what's really on their mind right now in their life mm. that they want to change, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. it's their sleep, whether it's their nutrition, whether it's their physical activity habits, you know, what is it? And so that's really key because now I have a little bit of a background about what they're doing that I now know where their pain is, what they want to change in their lives. And then there's a continuum too on that sheet that zero being, you know, that they feel okay, but a plus five, if they're really feeling well, or all the way down to a minus five, if they're not feeling so well, and they kind of circle which number they're at. And there's a little explanation as to which number, what each number stands for. And that little continuum gives me an idea too, of where they are and where they want to be, like how motivated Mm. are they? So again, a way to create something that you can identify the patients that really want to make that change. So even though it kind of goes out there to everybody, then you really focus in on those people and spend a little extra time in the visit uh, going over what their specific complaint was. And then you have to be prepared. The third thing would be to be prepared to give them something to take home that that action step yeah. and whether or not you create different sheets for different things that you want to help them with whether it's their nutrition or if it's a physical activity but something that they can go home with and many times I'll even send them home with a with a, a sticky note like you know a, a, I keep a small pad of paper in my pocket and almost like a prescription pad size and I'll write out one or two points that they can start today, right? Um, or whether it's a nutrition thing or an exercise or something that they can do, whether it's something about sleep and sleep habits, some of the sleep hygiene that I know about, a couple of points through our discussion that I might be able to tease out that I can improve and they go home with something, something actionable yeah. that they can do. So it doesn't take long. It takes a few minutes. But if you're prepared and you can select the people and you actually know what you're talking about because you're actually going through and having the same challenges that they have and, you know, whether or not it's, you know, how do you go out to a restaurant and order or uh, how do you go to your friend's house for a party and not look like a weirdo and, oh, I can't eat that and all this stuff. <laughs> you know, what are you, and you're trying to teach everybody yeah, about it. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. just want to be a regular person and try to get along in life. So how do you, so you got to be able to, know what they're going through too. And that's why walking the walk is also so important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, uh, I really, I mean, there's so many points to what you just said. I mean, number one, I uh, love the fact that, you know, you kind of outlined, you know, just basically a broad overview of how you would attack it. And, um, you know, number, the first thing is, uh, it's important to kind of, you know, meet people where they're at and and get the get the select ones. Because, you know, for me in my practice, it's, you know, you have, you have like three different kinds of people. You have, you know, people that, you know, don't want to change their lifestyle whatsoever. They would rather right. just take the pill. And if That's something, right. if something comes like they'll just deal with it, they'd rather just not give up their lifestyle. You have two, the second group of people who, um, you know, are kind of like half and half. They, you know, want to make a change, but don't know where or where to go or what to do. Right. Yes, and then you have the, everywhere. and then you have the third people group of people that are super motivated and they're just like itching to like go and they're just waiting for you to feed them, you know, type of deal, you know? 
So and and and, and so much is uh, they're so confused out there too, especially that third group. They want to go, but they just don't know what direction. Right. Because right. the media and oh, everybody's yeah. you know shooting out all these diets that yeah. that are you know just coming the, and going. The and, pseudoscience you know, one, is, is just insane. It's insane, and, and 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 I get confused about it. Never mind. People that don't understand it get even more confused. I know it gets, and they're going around and around. And people keep coming back to me, you know, from one year to the next, and say, "Well, what is it this year?" You know, the, <laughs> you know last year we couldn't eat bacon, now we can eat bacon, and, and all this stuff. It's yeah, crazy. yeah. I mean, that's the in a way, it's kind of fun, but it could also be a little bit of a roller coaster ride. And so that's yes. why it's super important. And, um, you know, you and I have put in, you know, the work and for the healthcare professionals that are listening in, you know, there is, you know, there's a lot of great resources, um, you know, and, yes. and, and, you know, for example, the organization that we work with, you know, American College of Lifestyle Medicine is a great head start that, you know, we can definitely, yes. you know, um, put more references in later. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Um, I'd like to comment on um, the point about walking the talk. Um, You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like following a personal trainer that is overweight, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, it, it's just like, <laughs> can't do it. can't, yeah, you can't do it. And so I you know. have mentioned, you know, your, your, your wonderful, beautiful family. And, um, you know, in terms of walking the talk, you know, have you, was there something, you know, like whether uh, in health condition, or weight or something revolving around yourself with, you know, Pam or your family that has changed ever since uh, you took on this, uh, this education and this endeavor for you guys? Well, I, yeah, you can't help it, Colin, because these things just become part of your life. When you really start to dive in and dig down deep into how you're going to make changes so that you can feel too, the way all your patients feel and be able to help them even more. Fortunately, Pamela and I have a son, our oldest son, Nathan, who became a personal trainer. So Mm. we have a built-in personal trainer, so that (laughs) always helps. He owns his own gym, so anytime we just always go there and he's he's able to help us. We just join in in all his classes. But yes, I have seen that when you get trained by these wonderful mentors that we have at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine and other lifestyle medicine organizations – you you start to seek out how can I do this better? You know where can I find the time to do this? And you and you just you you mold you just adapt your life into creating a lifestyle that then can 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 be more example to everybody around you. Yeah. So I I would say yeah our whole family uh, started to change nutritionally. I think is where it changed first because I thought that that would be the best foundation. And, and I really still believe in lifestyle medicine. That is the number one that people need to really get because there's nothing more yeah. toxic than some of the foods that we eat, that we expose our bodies to, yeah. that our bodies can't even understand some of these new to nature molecules that they even put in some of these processed foods. I don't yeah. know what our bodies are yeah. you know, crying to us. But so when we change, I, I can remember the day 
when we finally got rid of dairy products in our house. It was a uh, it was an interesting time because I had just gotten back from a trip that I took to Florida to see my son play baseball. Yeah, and on on the way, I was reading Colin Campbell's book, The China Study, and I, and when I got back, I told Pamela, I said, because she couldn't make the trip with me, I told her that. You know, we really, our whole family really needs to break up with dairy and uh-huh. we need to get rid of dairy. So we gathered the kids around the sink and <laughs> I can remember grabbing the last gallon of milk that was in the refrigerator. And you poured it down the drain. Ceremoniously, I'll tell you, Colin, we just <laughs> poured it down the drain and said, this is the end and we're not going to see dairy yeah. in the house anymore. And, and it was, it was sad for some of them because, you know, everyone loves dairy products they're, they're, they're so sweet and they're yeah, so delicious but yeah. they're just not they're so detrimental to our health and we just help them you know get rid of that yeah that toxin you know that 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 food that just isn't really on the healthy side yeah you know and it, yeah it's food but it's just not one of the best choices yeah and and that brings up a a, a beautiful point um it's like it's one of those things um you know, it, we, we, we equate, you know, things and it's, and this is how we were conditioned in society. You know, you grow up that yes. thinking like, okay, the only way we can get protein, um, is from an animal, right? We, yes. we are conditioned yes. that we always need protein, especially in the fitness world. Right. And the second yes. thing is that, you know, in order to get calcium, it needs to come from dairy. And I grew up, I, know. I grew up, you know, drinking, oh my God, how many glasses of milk? Because I just loved it. I love the taste. I love the fact that it was just, I was, the same way. Yeah. I, I drank it for dinner. It. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I didn't, you know what? I didn't, you know, break out or, you know, have anything really overt, but, you know, haven't read, um, you know, the research and updated myself. And, you know, you know, they did studies where, um, you know, uh, correlated with rates of um, osteoporosis, you know, and we found that it actually is actually worse, you know, in terms of yes. hip fractures, you know, when you increase dairy. And then when you study in other countries that actually consume a lot less dairy, they find that the rate of hip fractures actually have, you know, lessened, you know, that it wasn't right. as great. So, right. um, the big paradox, the, yeah. the, the milk paradox. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, you know, I teach my patients, you know what, number one, we're the only species that continues to drink milk after weaning. Right. And isn't that crazy? Yeah. And we're also the only species that consumes another species milk. So, yes. you know, it just doesn't make sense. I go up to patients. And, I was like, you know, number one, just look in the mirror. Are you a baby cow? You know? And if not, then right. And then number two, it's like, and then number two, it's like, you know, have you ever seen an elephant drink milk from a giraffe? You know, so it's like, it's just mind blowing. So my question to you is that, you know, from your patients and the way you're practicing lifestyle medicine, what are the biggest misconceptions that you find from your patients regarding uh, nutrition and food right now? It's, It's all over the map. There's so many myths that people continue to follow. And I try to debunk a lot of those myths. But what I've done, too, in our program of Lifestyle Design MD is I've created eight nutritional principles that I think everybody should follow. Mm-hmm. So there, here I am. I'm getting trained in lifestyle medicine. I got trained to be a nutritionist. I started really studying what it is that would help us the most. What, how can we design a nutrition plan? So I just came up with these eight nutritional principles. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I really try to stay steadfast on these eight in my own life, but also in my teaching. When people ask me questions, and, they, they, and again, I give them some background, but if they don't really 
jive with these nutritional principles, then I say, just stay away from that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, you know, the first principle would be to know your numbers because you got to know where you start. So the first one's not even a nutrition thing, but you have to kind of know your lifestyle vital signs, you know, your height, your weight, mm-hmm. your BMI, mm-hmm. maybe a waist to uh, hip ratio, mm-hmm. you know, your blood pressure, that kind of stuff, just so you know your lifestyle yeah. vital signs. And then your serum markers, like, you know, for chronic disease, like your cholesterol, whether you break it down even to the good and bad cholesterol or your serum markers for yeah. uh, inflammation like homocysteine levels or CRP yeah. levels. It's just ways to kind of make sure you can measure, you know, monitor, control. Have something objective, yeah. Something objective. And then my second nutritional principle would be to break up with dairy. And I keep that as really number one for, for people that need to really make a change in their nutrition habits. If if someone isn't willing, and, and you, it's so funny, Colin, too, because they, when I go through the list of the big five, I always tell them it's milk, butter, yogurt, ice cream, and cheese. Mm. The big response I get is, I get two responses. One of them is, <laughs> even, even, even Greek yogurt? You know, they all say to me, like, that's not healthy. I'm like, yes, even Greek yogurt isn't healthy. And then the next thing is, well, you got me on a mall, doc, but... I don't think I can ever give up that cheese. Yeah. And I say, well, you know, cheese is killing America. I tell them, I said, when you think about what dairy is, is again, three things with dairy. One, it's got the wrong protein Mm -hmm. and it's got the wrong protein balance. If you look at human breast milk and as an obstetrician, I've studied a lot about breastfeeding children and how good that is for our newborns. Mm -hmm. But human breast milk is so different than cow milk. And number one, it has that a different amount of that casein protein. Casein protein is 80% in cow milk. It's only 20% in human breast milk. Mm-hmm. And that's a growth promoter. Mm-hmm. You know, that calf has to become that 600 pound cow in, in, in less than a year or about a year. And, and we double our size in our first year of life. So that's an important growth promoter at the right time in our lives, but not, as you said, as adults, we don't really need to drink or eat any more milk or breast milk. So it really has the wrong protein. The second thing, it has a lot of sugar in it. People don't realize how much sugar is in dairy products, Mm -hmm. not just the lactose that we all know about, but galactose too. There's two sugars in dairy, but that's what makes it taste so good. And then the third point about dairy is the type of fat, that saturated fat. Saturated fat you know, and especially in cheese, you can tell saturated fats from unsaturated fats by saturated fats being solid at room temperature and just, you know, stay away from those. And that's what really dairy has. The majority of the fats in it are all saturated fats and saturated fats lead to high cholesterol levels, especially LDL levels, which is the number one risk factor for cardiovascular disease. So there really is you know, three major things that are wrong with dairy. So that's why I put that right at the top of the list. So you would still recommend breast milk as being number one as long as possible, right? Like at least a minimum of six months. Yes. In the first year of life, you can't go wrong. That's number one. If it extends beyond that for the next couple of years, yes. As a young child, it's still going to be the right formula. Again, the right, right type of protein, the right amount of nutrients, that's what we need as humans. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it goes along with us. Yes, I would recommend it in the first year of life. And then if the parent would want to extend that, it's not harmful. It's that even, it's even a, a great choice for that 
right. for that young child. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because you're getting a lot of um, immune factors from the mother that's you know needed to build up their immune system, especially up it's until been, you know six months. That first year. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. definitely. A lot of antibodies, you know, passive immunity, you know, there's this acquired immunity from that breast milk is so important. Yeah. I'm sorry. I cut you off. You were, you were continuing your no. list. Well, just to, you know, number three would be to pot ways with meat, you know, and that mm-hmm. means all meat, you know, meat. And, and again, could be challenging for some people. And I'm not saying that you can never have another piece of meat the rest of your life, because again, I, I'm a big advocate for this not to be um, any feelings of deprivation or any Definitely. feelings of being weird when you're around your friends, yeah. and, you know, you, like I'm over my brother's house and my brother who lived in Texas for seven years and now lives up the street from me here in Boston, Massachusetts. And he still thinks he's in Texas. He's got a big smoker in his backyard <laughs> and he can, he can make a rack of ribs like anybody, but you know, if I'm over his house and he's making his ribs, I'm not going to say, you know, gee, I'm not going to have any of your ribs. You know, I might have a little piece. I'm not going to have a whole rack. Right. But I'm not going to be weird. So but but really, again, meats full of saturated fat, really risky uh, right. for our, our overall health. No fiber. Another big, big component uh, of our nutritional plan that we really want to increase our fiber. And you're not really getting so you're getting a lot of calories without a lot. Of, yeah. Uh, and also benefit. depending on how, how it's prepared too, you know, uh, yes. a lot of meat, you know, like you're referring to your brother's smoker, right? Anything yes. that's grilled, barbecued, fried, anything like yeah. that, you're increasing the amount of carcinogenic factors or cancer producing factors yeah. and oxidative stress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Oxidative stress that in your body. Right. So yeah. Um, and, and, and all of that is so important. So meats don't really play a big role. And lately, some of the uh, literature that's been coming out now, uh, even with uh, processed meats, mm-hmm. whether it's deli meats or even cured meats uh, being carcinogenic. Yep. Um, and I know that's getting to be a big thing coming up in the uh, nutritional guidelines for 2020 uh, from the USDA. So I just think that, you know, we got to really be careful with eating meats and how much animal Definitely. products we consume. I, I would really think that we should pot ways with all meats. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth principle would be to eat a plant-based whole food diet. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I say it like that because all those words are so important. And not, not just that it's just plant-based, but the fact that it's whole food because mm. we've got to remove processed food from your diet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about not just having foods out of, you know, not to get rid of all the foods that you have in jars, bags, bottles, and cans. Mm. It's really looking at the ingredients and making sure because, you know, my peanut butter comes in a jar, but mm-hmm. it says peanuts mm-hmm. on, the, on the ingredients. Right. My blueberries that I put in my oats come in a bag, but it says blueberries as the ingredients. It doesn't have, you know, added sugar or it doesn't have the words enriched because, you know, you don't want the foods played with. You don't want the foods manipulated Mm -hmm. and then it becomes new to us and our Mm -hmm. bodies really don't do a good job digesting that or recognizing that. And then number five would be to know your fats, know the difference between saturated fats and unsaturated fats, what fats are good for us, what fats aren't good for us. Yeah, we need fats in our diet, but we don't need a lot. We need very little fats in our diets. Mm-hmm. And staying away from especially the saturated fats and the omega-6 fatty acids, really trying to stick with the unsaturated fats and the omega-3 uh, fatty acids would be so much better. Uh, we need them to build our bodies and to keep ourselves healthy, to help our immune system 
but only a very small amount Mm -hmm. and make sure you get the right ones. And then the sixth principle would be to eat the rainbow. So it's not just eating plants, which are very colorful, Mm -hmm. but make sure that you get a little bit of everything. That variety of colors is so important for all of the phytonutrients, the 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 micronutrients, the vitamins, the antioxidants that come with those colors. You know, I, I Pamela and I laugh all the time. We go to so many conferences together. <laughs> she is really my ambassador for lifestyle medicine. Yeah. And she joins me shoulder to shoulder all Pam's the time. Pam's great. Pam's great. She is. You guys know, are you guys are so so adorable <laughs> together. <laughs> but so, sometimes we go to these conferences and we look at the food that these physicians even that are on the board that you know, that plan these conferences and, and we look at the the food they're offering and it's so monochromatic mm. so many times. You know, you look and it's it's just, you know, breakfast is a it's terrible. all white. It's all just white. All white and gray <laughs> or you know, brown. And it's just brown on brown. And how yeah. much brown can you eat? Yeah. So yeah. again, numbers you know, number six, eating the rainbow is such an important pot. And then number seven, staying hydrated. Our number one nutrient is water. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. You know, you can really go for days without eating food, but it's really only hours before you're really going to start noticing the effects of being dehydrated, mm-hmm. whether you don't think clearly, because none of your cell systems, none of your body systems work well when you're dehydrated. Definitely. It needs that perfusion. It needs that in order to function. Yeah. So 60% of our body weight exactly. is, is water. Yeah. So it's such an important nutrient. I couldn't leave it off my list. So staying hydrated, I can't tell you how many times if I asked anybody, how could they improve their diet? How many people, the first thing out of the mouth would be that I need to drink more water. Exactly. And, 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 you know, so it, it's really such an important thing. And then my last eighth principle is to really find a well-absorbed multivitamin. Mm-hmm. You know, our food today, Colin, as you know, it just, it, it, up to even 60%, uh, it doesn't have what it had 50 years ago. Definitely. You know, 60% less nutrients, less proteins. Uh, the, you know, the way we farm food today, yeah. uh, the way we harvest our food today, it's so different than it was when we you know, eat more seasonally, eat more locally, and eat the food that you know we're, we we should be eating uh, from the regions that we live in, yeah. you know, with transportation and refrigeration today, we're able to eat food, whatever food we want, wherever we want, when we want. But it's really not quality; it doesn't have that good yeah. quality. So yeah. taking a taking a multivitamin kind of ensures that at the cellular level that you're getting everything that you need for those reactions all to work and those cells to be able to function optimally so organs work well and systems work well and you really feel well so that's why i'm a big advocate yeah yeah lovely i love i love that aid it's like it's like a power aid i love it so and uh, and even that multivitamin is a good mindset you know i I like taking my vitamin in the morning because if i'm going to take the time and find the right vitamin and and I take that vitamin every morning, it's really going to help me make the right choices the rest of the day. It just kind of sets your mind on the right track. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it. like, it's like it's like for some people, it's coffee. For you, it's multivitamin, you know, that, multivitamin. That, that, that very good one, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. It's I good. mean, like, um, yeah, in terms of the agriculture, I mean, yeah, we we're, we're basically farming, um, you know, and, and, and sowing that soil, the same soil over and over, over again, and over. you know, so yeah. a lot no of rotation, memories, yeah, nothing. no rotation, yeah. no crop rotation, you know, you yeah. have this, you know, added issue of like genetically modified, you know, GMO, right. And yes. it's just, it's just horrible for the hydration. Um, it's literally every visit, you know, I'm um, talking about Everyone. that every visit, you know, uh, 
it's always addressing, yeah, I'm not drinking enough. And, you know, for me, I don't know how you do it, Dan, but for me, I get a nice like 32 ounce Nalgene bottle that's really bright, you know, brightly colored. Mine's just like bright green. And so it uh-huh. acts like a visual reminder because sometimes, yes. you know, you know, we forget as well, right? So that's right. You yeah. lose track. Yeah, exactly. So for, I would say to the audience, like, you know, how they you know, alarm or have, you know, something like really popping, you know, that catches your eye because you can easily forget. So, well, my um, daughter, Sarah, who's about to have her third child taught me a great trick also. Yes. The, the brightly colored bottle is a great one. If you have a 30 ounce bottle, you know, I always try to make sure that my pregnant patients stay real well hydrated because that placenta needs that perfusion mm. more than anything. And I get them to get their 30, 32 ounce bottle, a uh, camelback or a Nalgene bottle, mm-hmm. whatever. And they put like two hair ties at the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when they finish the bottle, they move the hair tie to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And when they, and so they know they finished one and they know they need another one, at least in the afternoon. And so <laughs> it's not until that second hair tie goes down that they're allowed to have dinner um, in the afternoon. That's awesome. So uh, just another way to simple. keep track. Simple. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. Simple. But, but, but hydration is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, one last point about like the colors that you mentioned, I'm glad you brought that yeah. up. I mean, I just watched a great documentary that reminded uh, me that, you know, evolutionarily we are, you know, we're, we're built, you know, to have trichromatic vision. And it's actually, you know, when we're, when we were hunters and gatherers back in the day, more so gatherers, you know, we needed yes. those spectrum of colors to be able to pick, you know, different varieties of nuts and seeds and fruits exactly. and all that other stuff. And to tell, you know, what is considered ripe and what's considered not so ripe and not good. You know what I'm saying? That's so, right. Yes. Um, but yeah. And- One of my favorite things to do is to walk into the produce area of any supermarket and squint my eyes. <laughs> and when you squint your eyes, certain colors pop out. Yeah. And then I just go over to whatever <laughs> popped out at me. And if I don't recognize it, good. I still throw it in the cot because then I want to bring it home and learn a little bit about it. Yeah. You know, it's a different color for me. It's something yeah. that my eye was attracted yeah. to. So maybe I need this or, you know, maybe yeah. this should be ingested yeah. and I figure it out. And I've learned so much about yeah. produce just doing that. And it's a lot of yeah. fun. I um I interviewed um uh, uh her name is uh, Chef Nina Curtis. She's on uh, season 1 and uh, uh-huh. she she's so well versed on her produce that she says that if you eat a new produce um item, you know, whether it's a fruit or a vegetable yes. or anything like that, what like a, yes. a different one for every meal of the day for 365 a year. She was like yes. you cannot, you know, there's so much out there that you don't so re- much. you don't repeat the same one. Isn't that crazy? It's, it, it is so much fun, <laughs> yeah. too, isn't it? To go out there and explore yeah, the yeah. whole vegetable and fruit world. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. I love um, it. I- hey, guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Dad, I, this has been great. My uh, So we're going to come to a close. So my favorite question to ask my guests is, 
you know, what makes, you know, you thrive, you know, and by that, I mean, you know, what gets you up in the morning, what, you know, you, you talked about, you know, walking the talk, you know, what is it about you, you know, that you have implemented your life, whether it's a routine habit, a mantra, whatever, you know, what has made you thrive? And then after that, you know, can you share with us three tips to our audience members that they can use right now to improve their lives? Sure. That's great. Thanks, Colin. I, something I always train on, something that keeps me going every single day is my drive to form community, form mm. relationships, really connect with people, you know, look, look people right in the eye and try to understand what their needs are or even, you know, how, how to communicate better with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, as you know, you know my, my wife Pamela and I have six children and we've created our own little community here with our own family. But it's been something that's I, I didn't even realize how important community was and how important relationships were until I really started discovering this lifestyle medicine and this whole practice of lifestyle medicine mm-hmm. and how to how to connect at a different level with patients and connect with people to form communities, to form tribes, to keep ourselves accountable to each other, to enable us to get what we all want. And even though it might be something a little bit different, that, that accountability, that, that willingness that you want to be part of that tribe and that other people are looking at you and watching you and that you want to be a participant in that tribe is, is just so powerful mm. to keep yourself going. It's, and that, that's what keeps me going. Um, I, I love being part of community. I love being part of a tribe. So and that, that, that would be my number one thing is try to find your own tribe. Try to find your own like-minded people that you can surround yourself with that gets you out of bed every day to go and be with. And, and mm-hmm. then that's going to make your life much more full. Mm-hmm. I really believe that love, community, connectedness is a major part that I, I was missing for a long time, even as I was starting my family. Because even though I had it in my family, I wasn't getting it in my professional yeah. life or getting it outside yeah. my family. So that that's helped me a real lot. If there was three things that I could try to give people as a tip, yeah, number one, get your nutrition uh, in line. Uh, and it would be to really break up with dairy, number one, and don't eat any processed food, really le- read labels uh, mm-hmm. and make sure that you know what you're putting in that hole in your face, <laughs> as one of my <laughs> friends say. You know, because that that's really where most of our toxins are introduced into yes, our bodies. That's yes. where we're the most vulnerable. So make sure, you know, you wouldn't put water in your gas tank or your car. So, you know, don't put things in your body that you really don't belong there. So really be really cognizant of all of that. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is uh, stay active. Don't stop moving. When I, uh, every time I see somebody in my office and I see them more and more, Anybody that's over the age of 85, I say, what am I going to tell my 25-year-old patient I'm going to see next? Give me one tip. I can tell you that every single one of them says, don't stop moving. Mm, and, I love it. You know, whether or not that's physically moving, I, you know, I say to the 25-year-old when I walk into the room, that in my next room to see a patient, I say, you know, I just got the best advice from that 85-year-old. And I say, do you remember seeing her out in the waiting room? And I kind of describe her. Well, this is what she told me to tell you. Don't mm. stop moving. But it doesn't mean physically either. It means don't stop moving your brain. Don't stop learning new things. Definitely. Always move on to the next thing in your life. Keep looking 
for that next step that you're going to take and keep taking those steps. So um, if that's the third thing, that's a wonderful thing is to don't stop moving. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, definitely, uh, kudos to our, uh, geriatric population. Um, yes. they, they definitely, uh, have come a long way, so to speak. Yep. So, um, I Dan, know. this has been great. Um, thank you so much for Boy, sharing. You're such your... an easy host. Yeah. Colin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so for the audience members, um, that want to look you up or learn more about you, um, where can they go? Um, what can they do to kind of, um, you know, learn more? Yeah. Well, um, danielwitkowskimd.com is the website. I also am on Facebook. I'm on Facebook a lot because that's really where my tribe lives Mm -hmm. uh, that I've been working with. Um, And Pamela and I make videos, uh, lots of live videos on there. There's quite a few videos on there already of us in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. We bring you right into our house. We bring you right on our walks with us. Um, We just, you know, kind of bring you in our life uh, through Facebook a lot. Uh, I'm on IG, um, Instagram, you know, so you can find me there too, but it's all the same Daniel Witkowski MD, mm-hmm. um, for, for Facebook and for Instagram and on my website, it's danielwitkowskimd.com. Okay. Beautiful. And we'll put that into the show notes, uh, later on. So, um, Dan, thank great. you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, Colin, it's uh, been a pleasure. <laughs> no, I have a lot of fun. I- always, always good fun. So always such fun. Yeah. yeah. So um, everyone, thank you so much for listening in. Um, if you like uh, what you hear today, uh, please like and follow and subscribe. And uh, please rate us on, um, you know, Apple Podcasts. And, uh, you know, we will see you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Dan. All right. Good night. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.